Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 9. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab the Pew Bible. It's found on page 1189 in the Pew Bible in front of you. We start a brand new sermon series today, and I'm going to tell you about that in just a moment. Before I do, two quick announcements tonight, 5.30 p.m., Pray for the next generation right here in the sanctuary. There are no prerequisites. Anyone is invited. We'd love to have you come out and spend time with us in prayer for the next generation. One hour tonight, 5.30 p.m. At 5.30 tonight, the grade school youth group will be going on, led by Shelly Lee, really cool program she has up and running. At 5.30 p.m. tonight, Reveal will be taking place for junior high and senior high. But parents, adults, we'd love to have you come out tonight at 5.30 p.m. Announcement number two, Families at First is back, and I want you to be a part of Families at First. We had a good beginning on Wednesday. I'd love to see many more of you come out. Meals served at 5.15, programming uh, for all ages at 6.15. The adult study is looking at Jesus and the word greater or greatest. And last week we looked at the greatest test. Jesus and the temptation account in Matthew chapter 4. This week, we're looking at Jesus and the greatest prayer from the Sermon on the Mountain, smack dab in the middle, the Lord's Prayer. Many of us have recited the Lord's Prayer for years. We're going to break it down. We're going to look at it this week in in a study context and find out exactly what Jesus was teaching us, not just from a prayer perspective, but from a theological perspective. So join us on Wednesday nights, 6.15 to 7 is the study time, programs for all ages. Would love to have you join us. All year at FCC, we've looked at Jesus. In fact, our theme for 2013 has been, it's all about Jesus. And whether we were looking at the I Am statements or the parables or the book, Not a Fan. Uh, last month, we looked at the women of Jesus. Um, everything's been about Jesus. And almost every message has come from the Gospels. This month, it's still all about Jesus, but we're stepping outside of the Gospels. And we're considering four really profound questions. Four questions that anybody who is open at all to exploring Christianity, they really need to answer these questions for themselves. Let me say it like this. You need to answer these questions for yourselves. And here are the questions. Let's put them up on the screen. Number one, why does Jesus matter? Number two, what did Jesus do? Number three, how should Christians act? And number four, what is the call on the life of the Christian? What are we called to do? Instead of answering these questions from the Gospels, we're looking at other New Testament authors. Today we're in the book of Hebrews. Next week we're looking at John and specifically the book of Revelation. John was part of Jesus' inner circle and he went on to write five books in the New Testament. We're going to consider what John had to say about what Jesus did. Week three, we're looking at how should we act, and we're in the book of James. James is probably the most practical of all of the New Testament books. It's probably one of the hardest uh, in terms of application for your life and my life. And then we'll wrap up the series on October 27th, looking at what Paul has to say about the call on the life of the Christian from the book of 2 Corinthians. So I hope you'll make it a priority to be here every Sunday this month. And I hope that if you have people in your life that are kind of on the fence from a faith perspective, invite them to join you. It it will be a difficult message to, to hear for them. But it may be exactly what is needed for the Holy Spirit really to move them to go from outsider looking in 
a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. So I want to start this morning with, with a question for you, and here's the question. Where or in whom do you put your trust and your confidence? Where or in whom do you put your trust or your confidence? And the easy thing to do is to come up with a Sunday school answer and just say, well, I put my trust in God, of course. I put my confidence in the faith, of course. And I don't want you to do that right now. I want you to honestly assess your life, where you're at, your heart, your mind, your soul, and where do you put your trust and where do you put your confidence? See, I think a lot of Americans today put their trust and they put their confidence in their country. Maybe they put their trust and their confidence in their checkbook. Maybe they put their trust or their confidence in the job that they have. Maybe they put their trust or their confidence in the material possessions that they've acquired that they no longer have any debt attached to, whether it's their home or a car or clothing or whatever it may be. And if you get nothing else today, understand this. If you put your trust, if you put your confidence in anything or anyone other than Jesus Christ, you are missing the boat. You are selling yourself short. You're not living like God wants you to live. You're not living as a Christ follower with what we would call the blessed assurance of the faith. So with that, we're going to spend most of our time in Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, but just as kind of a jumping off point, I want to read for you three verses in Hebrews chapter 4 that I think really help articulate uh, Jesus, defining Jesus, before we answer the question, why does Jesus matter? So Hebrews 4, beginning with verse 14, reads like this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And there's four truths. I'm going to go through these quickly. Hebrews 4 says that Jesus is the Son of God. Hebrews 4 says that Jesus is the great high priest. In the first century world, the high priest was changing all the time, year to year in many instances. And the high priest was not held in high esteem by many who feared the Lord. Because there was a lot of corruption. The office had become very political. And as a result of that, there wasn't this overarching confidence in the high priest. Hebrews 4 says that Jesus is the great high priest. He's the ultimate high priest. Third, Jesus was without sin. If you're kind of on the faith fence, that's something you need to take notice of. That's an incredible claim being made right here. That Jesus was tempted like I'm tempted and tempted like you're tempted, but he was without sin. And then finally, Jesus is the hope of humanity, the Savior of the world. You will receive mercy, according to Hebrews 4. You will find grace, according to Hebrews chapter 4, if Jesus is Lord of your life. If Jesus is your Savior. Who do you put your trust or your confidence in? Several weeks ago on a Friday morning, I, I did what I, I do on a lot of Friday mornings. It's day off for, for many of us around here. And I got up and I came to church for a while. We had the breakfast club. 
50 junior high and senior hires getting together. By the way, if you're a junior hire or senior hire, or you know junior hires or senior hires, tell them to come to Breakfast Club. We have a blast. It's an awesome breakfast, biscuits and gravy, pancakes, sausage, bacon, monkey bread, you name it. Uh, there's a devotion. Colin Mattingly, our intern, did the devotion this week, did a great job. We'd love to have junior high and senior high students join us at 715 at the Cable Building for Breakfast Club. But went to the Breakfast Club, went home. My wife had like six or seven things that I need to do. I can only do about half of them, but I pulled those off. And then I jumped in the car and went to Decatur. And I do this most Fridays to try to get in about a 30-mile bike ride with one of my good friends in life, fellow minister Ed Bacon. But this Friday was a different Friday than most because instead of the beautiful sunshine and the blue skies, it was just ominous looking outside. I mean like dark gray, just kind of screaming of it's about to storm. So we got to First Christian Church of Decatur where we were meeting and I said, Ed, I don't know about this, buddy. You know, we might be 15 miles out and the heavens could open up. I don't think this 30 mile bike ride is a good idea. And he kind of cut me off in mid-sentence and he said, listen, I've looked at the radar. It's not raining today. I said, but look up. Look at the skies. It looks like it could rain at any moment. He says, listen to me. I watch Tom Skilling. I watch Al Roker. There is a 100% guarantee it will not rain today. And I just thought to myself, hey, he watches Tom Skilling. 100% guarantee, let's go ride our bikes. And for the first 25 miles of that bike ride, man, it was awesome. It was a little cooler than it had been. That had been a week where it was just incredibly hot, and, and the wind was blowing, but not too much. It kind of had a wind at our back, and we got to Fairview Park in Decatur, and I kind of felt like a little sprinkle starting to hit me on the face a little bit. And I said, um, Tom Skilling, should we stop right now, and should we find shelter somewhere? Because I think rain is coming. He said, dude, 100% guarantee no rain today as soon as he said it the heavens opened up and for the next five miles it poured on me like it's never poured on me before I mean my socks were soaking wet my shoes were soaking wet I, I, I didn't have anything dry on me in any way shape or form and when we got back to first Christian Decatur I looked at my friend and I said you know what you're a pretty good preacher Stick to preaching. Don't give up your day job. A weather forecaster, you are not. I had put my hope and my confidence in my friend because he told me there's a 100% guarantee it will not rain. And he was 100% wrong, and we had the wet clothes to document that. Now, that's kind of a funny story. It's really not that funny, I know. Some of you are probably glad that I got wet. I understand that. But here's the point, spiritually speaking. We put our faith, we put our hope, we put our confidence in, in people or places or um, items of prestige that we think are 100% guaranteed to bring us happiness. They're 100% guaranteed to bring us hope. And just like Ed Bacon's No Weather Forecaster, these things that we put our, our confidence in are not guaranteed as well. There's only one guarantee. That's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say here, that Jesus matters. Jesus matters. Right now, time out from the sermon. Grab your bulletin or something to write on, paper, get, get a pencil, pen, whatever it may be. And I want you to answer for yourself right now. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't be cheating with one another. But try to find out what you know inside how you would answer the question, why does Jesus matter? Go right now. Why does Jesus matter? 
You don't have to show this to anybody. You're not going to have to show it to me later. How would you answer that question right now? Why does Jesus matter? Why does Jesus matter? Why does Jesus matter? What's your answer? See, I think it's possible to be in the church almost all the time. I think it's possible to grow up around the faith and never really come face to face with questions and answers that really define who we are and what we should look like. And my guess is every person gathered here today has at least one person in their life that right now they're not living for Jesus. They don't embrace the fact that Jesus is the hope of the world. And you may be the person that's called to help articulate for them why Jesus matters. See, here's the point. As a result of this thesis that Jesus matters, really I think there's two ramifications for all of humankind. We can either reject Jesus or we can follow Jesus. We can say, I'm not buying the fact that he's the son of God. I'm not buying the fact that he's the great high priest. I'm not buying the fact that he's without sin. And there's a whole bunch of people that fall into that camp. They reject Jesus. Or we're called to be people that follow Jesus. Say, Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords. And I want to follow him all the days of my life. It's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. But here's the point. Here's what I want you to see. In 2013 today, many well-meaning people want to be neutral when it comes to Jesus. They don't want to say, I've either got to reject him or I've got to follow him. They want to ride the fence. They want to be a moderate. They want to be in the middle. They don't want to be offensive. So they're just kind of neutral when it comes to Jesus. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you didn't want to be here today. You want to go watch football or you want to go out to eat or you want to do something different. But you find yourself here today and you heard me rattling off that list that Jesus is the Son of God, according to Hebrews 4. And Jesus is the great high priest and Jesus was without sin and Jesus was the hope for humanity. And you're just not sure about that. I make the case that you cannot be neutral when it comes to Jesus Christ. It's one or the other. A couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to visit with a Unitarian Universalist minister. And I have to be honest with you, I don't know a lot about the Unitarian Universalist. My guess is most of us don't know a lot about the Unitarian Universalist. But one thing I learned very early on in this, uh, this interview that I had with this sweet older man was that he did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He did not believe that Jesus was without sin. He did not believe that Jesus died for me or for him or for you. He definitely didn't believe that he rose again. And I found out real quickly that his brand of Unitarian, Universalist religion was not what we would call a Christian brand. And, and he pretty much laid it on the line. He said, yeah, I reject most of that stuff. And I probably should have just ended the interview right then and said, God bless you and move on your way. But I couldn't let it go. So I asked him, well, tell me about one of your services. Do you have services? Oh, yeah, we have services every Sunday. I said, well, tell me about last week's service. He said, well, we started off by singing the song Amazing Grace. And he kind of got nostalgic for a moment. And he said, I just love that song Amazing Grace. And I thought, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And I kind of recited the words for him. He said, yeah, it's a classic, isn't it? And I said, it is, but how can you say Jesus is not the Son of God, and Jesus didn't die for me, a sinner, and you, a sinner, and Jesus didn't rise again? And he just kind of chuckled, and he said, look, I just like the song. I just think it's a good song. I don't get hung up on all the theology and such. I share that with you today because I think a lot of Christ followers in 2013 would never be brash enough to to share that testimony out loud, but it's kind of how they live their lives. It's kind of what their life looks like. They like the song. They like the ritual. They just feel good looking at the stained glass. They like to get dressed up. They like to see their friends. But they refuse to embrace the truth that Jesus Christ matters. He makes all the difference in the world. That was a really long introduction. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to get you out really late. I promise that. But before we leave today, I want to give you three reasons that the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ matters. Number one, Jesus matters first and foremost because he became the one-time for all-time sacrifice for your sins and my sins. In the Old Testament, when sins were committed, blood had to be shed. It, it was the blood sacrifice. And you can read about that in multiple places in the books of law, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. The book of Leviticus outlines over and over again how the shedding of blood covers those sins. And it doesn't wipe them away, it just kind of pushes them forward for another year. But the blood sacrifice was crucial to the covering of sins that were committed. And the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, became the one time for all time sacrifice for you and for me. Not just rolling them forward. Forgiveness. Understand that Jesus Christ, um, God's own son, was the part of God's plan for humanity and for atonement. He didn't just pick someone. He didn't just find someone. Jesus Christ said, my own son, perfect in every way, without sin, fully God, fully man. He is the answer. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews 9 verse 12 says, Jesus entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews 9 14, how much more then will the blood of Christ who through eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Hebrews 9.15, for this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who were called may receive the promised inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Jesus Christ became the one time for all time sacrifice praise the lord no longer do we have to have a go-between see i'll have people come to me and they'll say pastor will you pray for me and i love to pray with people and i love to pray for people but i try to reinforce to anyone if you are a follower of jesus christ you've got a direct line connection i will pray for you but you should pray and i would just tell you right now if you find yourself struggling If you think that your world is being turned upside down or you're just anxious about something, cast all your cares on him. He cares for you. Jesus Christ became the mediator. 
praise the Lord, we no longer have to have a go-between. Um, Jesus paid it all. That's kind of a summary statement for this whole idea that he became the one-time for all-time sacrifice. Jesus paid it all. We love to sing that hymn. That's a powerful hymn. Powerful theology chalked in there. Number one, Jesus Christ became the one-time for all-time sacrifice. Secondly, Jesus matters because he will bring salvation to those who are in him. He will bring salvation to those that are in him. Look at Hebrews 9, verse 27. It says, just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You know, I love this world, and I love the joys of this world, and I love the pleasures of this world, but there's a whole bunch about this world that I will not miss, and I'm sure that many of you are there as well. There are times that life in this world, it's just, it's hard to figure out. It's frustrating. It's difficult. And I praise the Lord when I read scriptures like Hebrews 9, 27, and 28, because I'm reminded that because I am in Christ, we have the promise of salvation. We have the assurance of salvation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Don't let the old pull you down. Don't let the old discourage you. Jesus Christ matters because he will bring salvation to those who are in him. Truth number three, Jesus matters because he will make us holy. That's quite a leap from the one-time to all-time sacrifice to bringing us salvation, but he's going to make us holy? You've got to jump over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, and it says, by that will, he's talking about the will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I want you to think right now, just for a moment, about your darkest moment as a follower of Jesus, let's just say in the last five years. Your darkest moment. The moment that if you could get the white out out and put it on the transcript of your life, it'd be all gone. You just wipe it away. Just think right now. We probably all have something in the last five years that we wish we could just forget about. And it would just be gone. And that blemish, that stain, that guilt, that shame would just be no more. It would have never happened. I, I, have, mom- I have multiple moments in the last five years, that I wish I could just wipe away. The cool thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ is that's exactly what will happen. In the book of Leviticus, over and over and over again, when it talks about the sacrifices being made to cover the sin, the word holy is almost always attached to the blood, or in the case that a a sacrifice was consumed, a meat sacrifice, the meat, they're described as holy. When the sacrifice takes place and the blood covers the blemish, the sin, the, 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 the mistake, the word holy is attached to that. When the priest would eat the meat that's been cooked as a sacrifice, the word holy is attached to that. And I don't know about you, but I think blood is pretty disgusting, don't you? Do you like when, when you're bleeding and you can't stop bleeding? I'll, I'll bleed when, when I'm shaving and I can't get it stopped and I'll come to work and I've got these little red dots all over my face. It's, it's disgusting. We don't like blood. 
The blood of Jesus Christ covers your sin, but it also makes you holy. How awesome would it be in eternity to be able to stand before God the Father and sing the song, Holy, 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 and realize that it's talking about God the Father, but realize that it's also speaking of you. Because Jesus has made you holy. Friends, that's a word of hope. That's a word of excitement. Because I'm so far from holy. And you're so far from holy so much of the time. Jesus matters because he will make us holy. Bottom line is this. In Jesus Christ only, you should put your trust and you should put your hope, and you should place your future. If you're putting your hope and trust and future in material things, you will be disappointed. If you're putting your hope and your trust and your future in another human being, you will be disappointed. Jesus Christ matters. He makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the book of Hebrews. We don't even know who wrote the book of Hebrews. But I'm so thankful for...